What's up, birds? Sending it back in along the left-hand side. 7.40 to go. Puck in front. Connolly with a chance. And they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! Eller gets the rebound and puts it home. And Washington leads it. 4-3 with 7.37 to go. The Tiger pouncing at the moment that he can potentially be the hero. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And today, uh, I, I have some big news later, but but uh, first, uh, I am happy to be joined by uh, Adam Stringham. So, uh, String, we're, we're back together for, uh, you know, the first time, I guess, in a while now. So, uh, how, how have you been doing lately? I've been doing all right. You know, it was great to go back and, and actually see some hockey games. So, I've, I've really been uh, enjoying that. Um, you know, it kind of reinvigorated me to get to see uh, the Caps in person it had been uh, over two years since I had last seen a game. Um, one, because of the pandemic, but two, because uh, obviously I don't live in D.C. anymore. So uh, yeah. trekked up to Dallas, got 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 to see uh, Brayton Holpe get blown out. And it was. Uh, yeah, it, you did. Quite the game. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, you wouldn't even say any of those goals are really his fault. But, well, I guess a couple probably weren't great. But like, yeah, I mean, they, they uh, that was the satisfying game to watch, huh? Uh, yeah, it can't get much better than that. I mean, well, it could have if Ovechkin had scored, but besides that, it really was, uh, about all you could want as a Caps fan. The third period was crazy though. Caps totally just, uh, neither team really wanted to be there anymore. I think the Caps was on like two shots in the third period. Yeah, I think, I think it was, I think it was Joe B. He called it scrimmage hockey, right? Or something. And I kind of, uh, yeah, it's hard to, hard to, hard to really disagree with that. Uh, but, uh, kind of before we get into that, uh, was kind of, Start well. Okay, actually, first off, before we even do that, uh, let me just ask you really quickly: Commanders, yay or nay? Uh, nay for me. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just about the the lamest of all the options they had. Really, everything about it is 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 quite lame. So yes, yes, and uh, for I guess anyone who hasn't heard uh, and who's a DC. Not a, only a Washington Capitals DC era sports fan. If so, then uh, I kind of envy you. Uh, the uh, this is of course talking about the Washington uh, soon or uh, formerly Washington football team changing their name to the Washington Commanders, which I also agree was a unspeakably lame name. Uh, I the one thing I will enjoy is that I it seems like commies is going to be like something that people say a lot with it, which uh, I enjoy because. Uh, I think Dan Snyder is probably about the most op- opposite from communist I could imagine. So at least at least we have that, which will, which will kind of be fun. Yeah, at least there is that. Yeah, at least there is that. OK, all right. Well, speaking of things that sucked, uh, the Caps lost. Uh, as So we, we are recording this uh, on a Thursday afternoon for string of time, Thursday evening for me. And uh they're coming off a, a two-game stretch where they somehow got two points on the road against the Penguins in a game that they got pretty thoroughly outplayed for most of the game. And then they uh, came back at home and uh, spotted three goals to the Oilers, uh, came back all the way, then had a uh, really spectacularly inept power play. It was it was inept all night, but it was particularly inept late, and uh, gave up a shorthanded goal and an empty net goal to lose 5-3. So, I don't know. String that loss 
sucked, right? <laughs> that was not fun. I, like, I mean, it's tough because, like, I, I think it's safe to say they're still kind of in these midseason doldrums. Like, I mean, you could squint and say maybe they've been playing a little bit better, but I don't know, kind of kind of what's impressed you or or what has been impressed upon you, maybe is the, the phrase I'm looking for with Washington Capitals hockey lately. Well, I think it's really been about a lack of special teams success. I mean, the Capitals... Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they power play looked like it was kind of finally getting hot. Uh, they, they played well against Dallas. They scored two power play goals, um, you know, right off the bat. Um, then against Pittsburgh, they had a shorthanded goal. And, you know, I thought they looked okay on the, on the power play. Um, and, and then, you know, Ovechkin's not there against uh, the Oilers and, it's just lackluster. I mean, they, they didn't generate a, a shot in their first few attempts. And of course they give up the yeah. game winning goal after coming back from three goals down. Um, you know, it, it looked like things might've been turning around, but the sample size is no longer small on, on the capital special teams play. And it's, it's rare to see a changes behind the bench um, during the season. You know, if the head coach isn't, isn't, being gotten rid of, but um, Blaine Forsythe's got to be feeling a little bit of, of pressure now. I mean, it, it's not quite making sense why either the team's not able to adjust or or whatever. I mean, I'm yeah. sure the excuse is going to be Ovechkin's not in the lineup, and that that's why it was it was so bad. I mean, they didn't it didn't make sense to me. They had a left-handed shot, um, kind of. I believe they put two left-handed D out there at one point, and it was just it, it just didn't work or, or Instead, they moved Carlson over to Ovechkin's spot, yes. and then Carlson's replacement was, was they put in a left-handed guy, and it just wasn't working. I mean, it, no, it didn't. No, no. I mean, Carlson's shot from there is it's uh, not Ovechkin's, obviously. And also, I mean, it's just – I mean, it, it's interesting because, like, I mean, on one hand, you would say the Capitals' power play has been, like, this perfectly honed five-player unit for the better part of, like, really five years now or something, which is remarkable that it's been that consistent for that long. But, I mean, you've seen it kind of deteriorate, like, a year over year. I thought – I think Tyler Anderson, a friend of the podcast and really a guy who's very good on Twitter um, – I think made it made an, an interesting point here in that a lot of teams have been running the one three one and so maybe what the Capitals are doing with it just isn't particularly unique. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's been frustrating and like it's it's really rare for a team that I would argue has still probably overperformed expectations like the Washington Capitals to jettison a you know assistant coach in the middle of the year. Typically, you would think that's kind of the last refuge of a coach who's about to be fired, but it doesn't seem like LaViolette would be in any trouble at any time soon. So I don't know, but it's, it's weird, right? Like this might actually be the one time where you say, okay, maybe, maybe it is t worth maybe kind of thinking about making a change behind the bench here, at least in that capacity, or I mean, maybe removing the power play duties from Blaine Forsyth, although I don't really know where they would go. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's kind of an open question at this point. Yeah, it's, it, it's just tough. I mean, uh, I want to say that they really have looked better for, for two games part of that last one. And, and maybe they can, they can wait a bit longer and, and they can, I mean, the Eastern conference is not, it's not competitive really at the bottom for a playoff spot right now. No. I mean, the, the aisles, the aisles kind of falling apart lately has, uh, if there was any doubt, there's not really the caps. Are a yeah. Playoff team, you would think at this point. Yeah. The Islanders had a lot of games in hand. So if they had gone on a run, um, yeah, then they could have been competitive, but they haven't. Um, so, I mean, maybe you wait. You see when Ovechkin comes back, and 
Ovi, for what it's worth, is, is cold right now, right? He's gone yes. four or five games without a goal, um, starting to kind of fall behind the leaders. And see if the power play can kind of look kind of how they looked for that little brief flash in the pan um, once he's returned. But as I was saying, I mean, when you when you put a left-handed D up in Carlson's spot, you, you kind of take away the one-timer threat from uh, passes from Kuznetsov and Backstrom, which you need to try to pull the defenseman up to open up lanes from Kuznetsov or Backstrom to Ovechkin uh, or, or to Wilson or whoever's in that middle spot. So, uh, you know, injuries have played a large part in the Capitals' kind of lack of overall uh, success this season. No Mantha, um, no Oshie still. But, um, you know, even without those guys, if the power play was just clicking along at a league average pace, um, you know, I, th- I think the perception of this team's recent play would be pretty different. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because, I mean, it's it would be easy to say, you know, they're in the doldrums and, like, you know, because I think that's probably, you know, the Caps do this almost every year, right? Like, they – actually, it's funny. It's kind of an interesting parallel. My I, my first podcast appearance, I think, on Jay and Radio was talking about the Capitals when they were in the doldrums, uh, in kind of the midseason doldrums when they've clinched a playoff spot. You know, but but you look at kind of their underlying play numbers, at least five through five, and they're like roughly the same. I mean, you could squint and maybe see some deterioration defensively, and their shooting percentage is lowered, which you know makes a certain kind of sense, right? But you know, it, it hasn't really. I mean, they're still sitting like a fifty-two, fifty-three expected goals, so it's not like you know there's been this huge deterioration in play. But really, yeah, it's the power play. The penalty kill has been kind of spotty lately too. And so you know you you, you kind of look at those two things and you're like, all right, like maybe like this is kind of seems like what the kind of what the what the the way things have swung lately for him. Yeah, it, it, it's really just. Uh, I, I don't want to chalk it all up to you know just puck luck. I mean there there is something to be said about how the Capitals have not changed their general power play tactics in, I don't know, five to 10 years at this yes, point. They uh, have not. <laughs> and I mean, as you said, or as you said, Tyler said, uh, the rest of the league kind of runs the same thing now. Yes. Um, so there's not really an innovation. And if, if you're not innovating, uh, eventually you kind of will fall behind the curve. Um, I mean, the, the power play most recently that I watched, that I was most impressed with, was certainly Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I thought Pittsburgh in there in the game against Washington. Oh yeah. They were zipping the puck around. I mean, it wasn't even just the puck movement, but it was the, the people movement. It was the skating. Yes. Um, I mean, not only did they create kind of space by moving the puck, which is a hundred percent of the Capitals power play uh, ticks it, you know, it, the players basically don't move at all. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's almost, it's almost like bubble hockey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean it really kind of is. You know? I mean, the capital, it's all about patience to try to draw a guy out of position to hit those killer passes with a really high percentage look. Pittsburgh's just, you know, they're trying to sow chaos. And they did that very successfully against the Capitals. And, um, you know, I, sometimes you think with the how the Capitals doing some with a with a power play like that. And um, maybe not as well because Baxter doesn't move that well anymore. But, um no. Sometimes well, it'd be I mean, interesting to see him try it. Yeah, well, I mean, and the, and the thing is, like, I mean, I think I think power play wise, the two shots that really scare you on the Cavs power play when, you know, if you had to rank the capital shot in terms of like who you'd like to see shooting, assuming their standard five man unit, like 
obviously, of course, there's the Ovechkin spot, but also there's the bumper spot where Oshie normally is and where Wilson's been a little bit lately. And you look at that, too. Like, they just have not been able to get that pass through consistently and or even get in a position where they can make that pass. And so, you know, if you're a goalie, you're like, all right, like, I'll take a weird angle Kuznetsov shot or a Carlson point shot like any day. Like, those are those are fine, you know, and so. I, you know, you look at it because, I mean, the other kind of interesting wrinkle is, I mean, the Caps shot generation on the power play is not great by any stretch, but it's also not like worse than the league. So, you know, you're like, all right, like maybe it's also a little goaltending kind of knowing where the shots are coming from and the shots being in predictable areas. Yeah, I mean, the bumper spot was so effective, you know, with Troy Brower, with Oshi. Um and, you know, it looked like it was going to be really effective as well for Tom Wilson, but it hasn't really been a threat. And it, it and it might, I don't know why they're not able to get the pass there or if the defenses are playing it differently. But without that threat, that eliminates, you know, you're not going to be able to get the defenders to collapse on that spot to move around yes. quickly on the outside, so on and so forth. I mean, the Capitals power play it has a lot of different looks. I think actually Neve and I wrote about this like seven or eight years ago because, again, it was the same power play. And, you know, there used to be that threat for Marcus Johansson on the goal line. who He could, he could try to go in front. I and mean, that was kind of the lowest percentage look. And then going up, you had stuff like the best one was obviously going from Carlson or Green to Ovechkin. Um, and, and the best one, though, is, of course, the cross-ice pass, like the one that Backstrom fed to Ovechkin in the Stanley Cup yes. final. And we haven't seen that a lot either, simply because teams aren't as worried about getting rid of that bumper position or that bumper guy is not moving in a way that creates that lane. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the plane in his team to fix. I mean, if we could fix it for him, we'd be making a lot more money than we are today. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, okay. I mean, let me let me let me straight up ask you. I guess if the Capitals' power play is worse than the league in in two three weeks, do you think Blaine Forsythe uh, is still the is still the is still coaching the power play? Yeah, I think he will still be coaching the power play. Um, I yeah. Do be the following season though. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's I think that's yeah. probably right at this point, you know, or at least you think about like reshuffling a little bit, right? Like you kind of have to. They're, they're worse. They're worse than the league with personnel, or second worst, sorry, of Montreal. Uh, but uh, you know, they're they're second worst in the league with personnel that uh, even if they're aging, should not be this bad, right? Just like objectively, they should not be worse than Arizona. So you know, like something has to change. I mean, the personnel is still good enough that you'd expect them to be top five. Yeah. Yeah, or at least top ten, you would hope. I mean, they were top five for almost a decade, so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they fall off right. real quick. Okay, well, we we've talked about power play a lot because that's I think that's where a lot of the mood of the fan base is, and we we aim to please here on Chapers Rank Radio. Uh, I don't know, Adam. I'm kind of curious though, like zooming out a little bit, like where where we what we think about Laviolette as a coach right now. I mean, I think that. I still look at the Caps from an, a holistic perspective and say I think they've exceeded our expectations, which were really them being a fringe wild card team, and they haven't been. They've been a solid playoff team. Like that is, I think, clearly not as good as Carolina, but right is like right up there with the other teams in you know kind of the the metro and with the collapse of the Islanders, the Caps are safely in a playoff spot. But you look at it and you kind of look at some strange decisions by Laviolette. I mean. Just immediately playing Samsonov in a back-to-back, you kind of understand because VTech is hurt, but that's just we just know that goalies aren't good in back-to-back situations, and you know that that's that's kind of a botch. And then you know you look at the McMichael ice time, you look at kind of uneven distribution, you look at 
maybe you squint and say, okay, like maybe playing Ovechkin 20 plus minutes a night is going to not be a super sustainable long-term strategy. Like, I don't know, like where, where are you at on Laviolette as a coach right now? Um, I think I am, I'm reminded of how I felt at times about Barry Trotz. I mean, yeah. I think the results have been fine. Uh, I guess the difference is Barry Trotz's results were usually, you know, top of the division. Granted, those teams were also better on paper as well. Um, yes. You know, it, McMichael is kind of like the new Burakovsky. I mean, he's a guy that you feel like he does a lot of nice things when he's on the ice. He, he gets some time on the third line. He's playing with Lars Eller. I mean, it, it's really there are a lot of similarities. I mean, there's always a guy like that. And it's like that for a lot of different franchises, too. I mean, the fans yes. always want to see the younger players get more ice time. Uh, the thing that's weird is that there are younger players that are getting more ice time that, uh, I mean, one, they don't have the same pedigree as, as McMichael. Uh, two, I mean, I, I'm not really they sure. They haven't just underlying numbers-wise hasn't been as good. Just Yeah, up. I mean, I, I, I think McMichael brings more to the table and, and kind of creates a more dynamic offensive threat. Um, I mean, I know Laviolette isn't really a, a rah-rah offense guy, but when your power play can't score, you got to score at even strength. And I mean, whether it's Sprong or whether it's McMichael, uh, those two guys both seem to be kind of on a short leash with McMichael. I mean, I don't even really know what he's still doing up here. I mean, he's, yeah, uh, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, I, I talked to Tariq a few weeks ago and, you know, he had bought a house. It seems like the the Caps as an organization, I think, want him up there doing this, you know. And I know Tariq was asked kind of in a recent mailbag about this and he didn't seem super worried. But I don't know. It's weird, right? Like, it's weird that, like, you're they're healthy scratching him now. Like, you know, particularly healthy scratching him when Ovechkin's out of the lineup. That was a bizarre, I think, decision. Like, I, I just you, you almost wonder if there's a little bit of a disconnect between maybe what McClellan sees McMichael's role as being and what LaViolette's comfortable with his role being right now. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's me kind of projecting, but it's, it's definitely something that struck me at times with this. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, Brian McClellan has had a disconnect with a more defense oriented head coach. I mean, he uh, kind of famously was having trouble with Barry Trotz. I mean, we're, we're especially at the end of, uh, the tenure, there was not a lot of open communication between the two, um, yes. or at least that was what was reported, if, I, if I'm remembering that correctly. And uh, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if there's another disconnect. Uh, I still don't necessarily understand fully why Laviolette was the guy the Capitals wanted to go with, but that doesn't mean he hasn't done, at, at the very least, a a adequate job. Uh, I. I I would say probably above adequate. I mean, I we all had the Caps as a bubble team this year, right? And I mean, they oh, have been they've been I mean, a playoff team pretty much the whole year, and they've been 52, 53 expected goals. Like the process isn't except power play hasn't been bad. Well, I mean, they they are what a second wild card right now. Yeah, that's I mean fair, but you know, like also, I, yeah, but I, they are they've had you know fair like, and you would say okay, like COVID weirdness and. Maybe before the COVID weirdness, they were one of the better kind of process teams in hockey and had results with that. And I don't know, like, it's it's tough, right? Because, like, I mean, we still have to f- grapple with what to really make of the last month and a half ever since, like, half the league went on COVID protocol. Like, that's kind of the other variable, right? Like, I I don't know. I, like, every team has had to deal with this. It's not just the Caps. Uh, but at the same time, maybe you say the Caps haven't dealt with it as well as other teams have. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's funny you mentioned COVID and my, my dad and I were talking 
and um, how much fantasy playing fantasy hockey this year kind of sucks because you can't set yeah. your line you can't set your lineup once a week because you know at least two or three of your guys are going out every single week with COVID. And uh, granted, I mean, I, I only said it once, so I'm missing a lot of games. So don't don't, don't ask me how well my fantasy team's doing. But um, it, it really is the whole league that has to deal with it. Um, you know, I, I think the bigger thing for the Capitals that other teams haven't had to deal with is kind of really serious injuries to their top tier players. I mean, Mantha, uh, Backstrom still obviously is not 100%. His production's been oh, she's been out of it for, you know, kind of up and down in the lineup and everything like that, too. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's it's bad. I mean, and now with Ovechkin with, with COVID, I mean, I don't, ex- you know, God willing, I don't expect him to be out for long. And if they hadn't said that Ovechkin's wife was flying over for the All-Star game, I would not have really... <laughs> fully believe that Ovechkin had COVID mainly because Ovi has not wanted to go to an all-star game in quite some time. Um, but you know, alas, it, it, it is what it is. And, and I, I, th- I think Ovechkin will be back before too long. And, uh, I hundred percent, if anything, maybe, maybe, maybe a week off of games will given how much he's been playing lately. Maybe I'll, they'll do him some good. Maybe. I mean, he is older, but I, I, I don't think, he hasn't really looked visibly slower or anything like that. I mean, even against Pittsburgh, he had a, a fantastic yeah. individual effort to undress Chris Letang. And, he and did. Really, I mean, Sprung kind of did a similar, not not the skill move, but Sprung went the same place on Jari that Ovechkin did. The only difference is Sprung scored. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, Ovi wasn't super noticeable at the Dallas game, um, but he didn't really have to be. The Capitals took a relatively early lead and, it, it was it was comfortable for most of the most of the game. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to I'm going to ask Adam one more question. Then we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we'll talk about a little a uh, little bit about caps and the deadline. But uh, I guess like, I don't know, Adam, kind of zooming out a little bit like <laughs> every year, it seems like the Capitals have the midseason doldrums. Uh, they're not the only team in hockey to have this kind of thing happen to them a lot. But I guess like, why do we think this keeps happening to the Caps? I mean, it seems like it's almost every year that they kind of, you know, do the same thing of have the playoff spot locked up by January and then kind of coast for two months, you know, and like, I don't, I don't know, like, I, this does seem to uniquely happen to the Capitals every year, but, you know, it's also not something that they're just kind of, it's not just them that have this happen. So I don't know, like, it's, it's interesting, though, because I mean, we've, you've been doing this for longer than I have, but even as I've been doing this, it seems like we kind of see the same pattern here again, right? You know, it, it is interesting, Greg. I mean, in the past, when we talked about the Capitals having kind of a doldrum period, it was usually a bit later in the year, and it would be right when they were kind of on the cusp or, or, or of, of fully locking down a playoff spot or even winning the president's trophy. And the difference this time is that um, while a playoff spot is all but assured, uh, the, the team isn't exactly, you know, they're not, they're not competing for, uh, for the president's trophy. They're, they're, there's really the only thing that's really left for them to fully compete for is, is home ice advantage. And, you know, that's, the value of home ice advantage is dubious. I mean, even looking at the Capitals when they when they won the Stanley Cup, obviously they did that winning most of their games on the road. So every single clinching game, if I'm not mistaken, every single clinching game is right that those those mm-hmm. were all on the road. So, um, you know, I, I think that the Capitals definitely always do kind of have a, a doldrum period, but it, but it usually is once there really isn't a ton left to play for. 
um, whether that be all the way back when they were in the Southeast Division or, or even kind of more recently. I mean, the Capitals have been a good, strong regular season team for, um, you know, a decade and a half. Pretty pretty much as long as Japers Rink has existed in a way. Exactly right. So it's not totally shocking that that we see, um, you know, a, a drop off in play. Granted, I mean, if the Metro was as competitive as we thought it would be, they couldn't get away with something like this. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. But they uh, they caught a break by the Isles randomly being really really bad. So that uh, you know, because once once that happened, then they were it was gonna and then you know the rest of kind of the East shook out roughly as we expected, ex- with the Rangers being better than we thought. You know, it, it, it kind of it kind of worked out for the Capitals that like they were gonna be in a pretty strong playoff position, assuming that like there wasn't a random team like Detroit being way better than people thought. Like they they fell back to earth. So they uh, you know, I think. It's it's pretty safe to say since December we've known, or really probably since frankly late November that we've known that they're a playoff team. So it's it's you would you would imagine the players themselves are not immune from that kind of philosophy too, even if they won't ever admit it in an actual press conference. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, at the end of the show, I have a I have a brief announcement, but uh, we will, uh, you know, soldier on until then. So uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to talk uh, captain of the trade deadline. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Japers and Radio. Still here with Adam. And uh, Adam, let's talk a little trade deadline here. So uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think the, the first obvious angle here is goaltending. Right. Like the Capitals uh, have I, I think it was JP was talking a little bit this morning about the idea that the Capitals, you wouldn't like their chances if it came just down to goaltending against any team in the East, really save. I don't know if, if Tuka Rask isn't where we think he is. Maybe you say Boston isn't in a perfect spot there. But really, you look at it and against pretty much everyone in the Metro, the Caps would be at a huge, pretty significant disadvantage. So I don't know. Like, it's it, it seems almost too obvious, right, that the Capitals would try to go get a goalie. But do you do you kind of see that? And if so, do you buy the Marc-Andre Fleury speculation? Do you think maybe the Caps look at a more affordable piece like a James Reimer? Like, kind of kind of what, what, what are we thinking here? Uh you know, I, I know um, that Friedman put out there that the Capitals were interested in Marc-Andre Fleury, but I mean, I believe he also said that Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't necessarily interested in the Capitals, that he just kind of still has this loyalty to uh, to really to Pittsburgh in general that was going to yeah. keep him from, um, from coming and playing uh, for the Caps. So if that's the case, I mean, I, I don't uh, I mean, I don't see that happening. Um, I believe the Blackhawks have told Marc-Andre Fleury that he can kind of pick and choose where he wants to go. So I'd be surprised there. Um, So if the Capitals do anything, I think it will have to be a cheaper option. Uh, I'm not sure Holpe's Holpe's the guy. Uh, He is not, obviously he was not super um, impressive. When you saw him in person. Yeah, (laughs) when I saw him in person, he he did not have a great game. Uh, Granted, the Capitals had a lot of great shots, but he he just did not have a good game either. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they get a goalie, but I, I don't think there are that many good options. So um, I think Reimer's an interesting one, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where you kind of say, OK, like he is, uh, I think, making like two million or something. So the Caps could put him under the cap without any too much pressure. Uh, you know, I the other thing I kind of think kind of being that if they wanted to, you know, I think Mantha's on LTIR. It doesn't look like he's probably going to be back until, frankly, playoff time. So you think Kucherov there a little bit. Uh, you know, so the Caps, I guess, have room to go get a big name goalie if they wanted to, potentially. I 
I mean, first off, I would step back and say, I don't know, I think it's kind of cool in a way that, like, we, we, we've, we've bemoaned the end of rivalries, I think, in sports. And so I almost think it's kind of neat in a weird way that Marc-Andre Fleury is willing to, like, kind of be, okay, honest about, I have an animosity towards the Caps because sometimes professional sports feel a little too professional, at least sometimes. So it's, I don't know, I think it's kind of an interesting idea that he wouldn't feel comfortable, given that that's not a position I would imagine a lot of players hold. So that's so that's kind of interesting in and of itself. But yeah, I mean, I think that it, it seems likely that the Caps are going to at least try something, right? Because, I mean, Ovechkin's in his you know late 30s now. There's only going to be so many times left. And I, you look at the team process-wise, and you're like, all right, like if all these pieces start coming back, which maybe they will, maybe they won't, who really knows? But if they do, then yeah, like this is a team that could potentially go on a run. And do you really trust a Vitek Vanacek, Ilya Samsonov uh, tandem? I, I don't, I don't think I do. I mean, string to you. Uh, I mean, not, not too much, but I mean, (laughs) I'm not totally. They've been roughly league average still though, which is kind of wild. They're not terrible, but again, this isn't like the Barry Trotts, Bruce Boudreaux caps that just needed average goaltending to go far in the playoffs. I mean, the Capitals will need a goalie to steal a couple games. And it's bizarre because both Vanacek and Samsonov had have, have had stretches where they've kind of done that. I mean, Samsonov yeah. probably had back-to-back shutouts at one point. He was fantastic in the game against uh, Pittsburgh. Really, the, yes. the only reason they won that. Oh, yeah. Uh, really number of, number of kind point. of desperate diving saves, which is kind of the Samsonov special a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it he gets was out of position, but then bails himself out sometimes. Well, he bailed his defense out when he kicked out yes. that right pad um, in either the first or the second period. I mean, that that game could have been over really quickly. Um, yes, could have. So, uh, do I think the Capitals can get better in goal? Yeah. Do I think they're going to get a guy that's going to steal them a ton of games? Like they don't need a replacement level goalie. It, it, they would be after someone better than that because you just said that those two guys have been replacement level or have been yeah, league average. Roughly. Right? So roughly, yeah. It, it's so, yeah. It, 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 I mean, maybe maybe you do try to convince Mark Andre Fleury. I, I mean, he literally won the Vezina last year, right? You yeah. know, like, this is like uh, I, I, I mean, and you say the Blackhawks are so bad defensively that like it's it's hard to look at any numbers he's had there which haven't ide- been ideal but still like i mean you, you, i think i think you're willing probably to to say you know give him a little bit of a pass for that but yeah i, I guess maybe that's the one guy you say all right like maybe he he could do it yeah i mean that, that that's how i feel about it um he's a guy that certainly has a, a high ceiling and and can make a difference no, absolutely, absolutely, and it's not like uh, Carey Price is walking through that door or something anytime soon. So yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Is there anyone else? Like, I mean, you would you would say the Caps like any other position you'd like to see shore up? I mean, it seems like we always say, and every single team always says, you probably want secondary scoring, which is probably accurate. I don't really see the Caps needing a defenseman. I mean, maybe you, you get one to kind of shore things up, but I, it seems like. I don't like I guess like you get like maybe a second or third line winger or something if you can if you can squeeze it under there if assuming you don't spend you know the five six million or whatever to go get a Marc Andre Fleury like I mean, maybe maybe that's kind of the, the the other thing I would look at I don't know, I don't know what, what what you think about things though. Well, I mean Brian McClone's always big on getting those kind of um, those those second third pairing uh, defensemen. Um, yes. But I, I don't think that's what the Capitals need. I agree with you. Um, the question is whether you get enough offense just by simply having the return of, you know, Mantha, um, hopefully Oshie, right? I mean, these are the guys that you'd expect to be able to 
to help carry the team. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's, um, you know, you, you'd want to have a guy that, that could have, I mean, Lars Eller, his secondary scoring hasn't been what it's been in the past. I mean, do, do you want to give him wingers? I mean, that, that can help him score. I mean, but then you argue that you might already have those in, in Connor McMichael and, uh, you know, Daniel Sprong. So, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that, that, that's what I think the Capitals need. They need a scoring third line and, and that's what they had in their cup run. And um, I mean, the fourth line has been great for producing offense. Don't get me wrong, but Carl Hagelin uh, got more ice time than I would have given him against uh, Edmonton. That's for sure. Even with that line. Yeah. Finger. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's the one where like, I think no matter, unless the Capitals literally make a trade, you know, with one of those three, like you figure the fourth line's penciled in. I, I continue to think it's a little strange that, but you know, I mean, they've played well enough to where it's hard to really argue, I guess, with that. So, you know, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, yeah, it seems like we're kind of just picking at the margins, which I, is interesting given that, you know, the Capitals are sitting at a bubble spot or not bubble. That's different. We're they're sp- sitting at the second wild card spot. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting kind of dynamic here. Oh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, and, and it is kind of, um, I mean, we are picking, uh, but I mean, that's, they've got time and they've got um, room in the standings to, to, to try to improve at those margins. Uh, I mean, the team's not going to do a full overhaul or anything like that. So no, um, no. why would they? Right. Like, no. I mean, they're, you know, doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Okay. Well, I guess like, to kind of wrap up, like, I mean, we're at what, like the 45, 50 ish game mark or something at this point, like, what do we want to see from the rest of the season? Like, I mean, we've, we've hinted throughout, but the Capitals are basically a lock for a playoff spot at this point. They would have to play spectacularly poorly. And also they would need the Islanders or I guess another team to kind of turn around pretty drastically. So what, what's the goal here? Like, what, what do we want these last 30 something games to look like for the Caps? Uh, you know, it's, it's always, it's the process. I mean, you, and you just highlighted why, um, the team has the, uh, the, 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 the room to, to be able to tinker, to try new things. Um, will they, I, I don't know, but I mean, when else are you going <laughs> to, you've got a lot of room in the standings. You've got a lot of players that could potentially, um, you know, warrant more ice time in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, I would be trying McMichael up higher in the lineup. I'd see what he could do with higher, higher minutes. And, and then, you know, look at those results and, and see, see how they are. Um, you know, not necessarily what the perception is, but, you know, what are they actually doing? I mean, you know, it's just like what I just said about the fourth line. I mean, I don't perceive them always as being the best, but I mean, you look at the results and they're there. I mean, that line is yeah. always getting consistent results. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that, that, that's enough to get these guys. Yeah, uh, I mean, Garnet Hathaway and Nick yeah. Dowd, low-key, had very, very, very good seasons this year. Yeah, they've been great. I mean, they were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Hathaway is, uh, like, quite the shit disturber. I mean, he's always... I mean, that guy always seems to be mucking it up somewhere. And, and It does. And, and, and Dowd has, like, more skill, I think, than he's given credit for, which is interesting to me. You know, like, he's he's an interesting little player, I think. It, it definitely a, a very good find by the Capitals, a team that seems to just always find these kind of depth players that, that play above their well above their contract. Yeah. I mean, that's that, I mean, that's what you need. Right. In the salary cap era, you, you have to have guys that usually it's either you either you need to have young guys because yes. <laughs> uh, that, they're cost controlled or you need to have uh, found some guys that were kind of not priced well in the market and, and you took advantage of it. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, uh, with that, uh, we're going to call a wrap. Uh, 
I um I, I don't know, Eric. I string. Is there anything else about the Washington Capitals you feel particularly uh, impassioned about to to discuss on the podcast here? No, I am all all set. Your your takes have been exhausted. All right. Well, uh, speaking of takes that have been exhausted, uh, I am uh, gonna gonna briefly announce that uh, I am taking a I guess I'm gonna call it a leave of absence. I don't I don't know exactly how to phrase it, but uh, from 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 the show here. Uh, the problem being that I have since moved to Europe and these games are on at one in the morning, and I just I just can't watch them enough at this point, unfortunately. And I don't want to be in a position in doing the show where. I am giving these kind of half-baked takes that a lot of, you know, certain DC area sports writers have done when covering the Capitals. You know, I I don't want to be in a position where I'm doing that for the show. I don't think it does our listeners any good. I don't think it does the staff any good. I don't think it does anyone any good. So I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be in Europe, I think, for at least the next year, if not maybe longer. So you know, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pass the rings off to, to, to string here a little bit. Uh, I just want to also take the moment to say that uh, thank you for all of the fans. This has been really genuinely a pleasure and I've really, really enjoyed doing it. Uh, it. This was not an easy decision for me to reach. I'm looking forward still to interacting with the Capitals community and everything like that. But uh, I just want to take it, you know, second to thank everyone who supported me in this uh, and really take a moment string to, to thank you. I mean, you've been a wonderful mentor and kind of friend throughout this whole thing and uh we'll still be in touch i'll still probably come on i think every once in a while and uh if i ever move back to america then uh, i plan to hopefully just pick pick things back up a little bit where i started but uh you know i you know i i figured that this was kind of a logical time to do this and uh yeah so uh so there you go that's that's the big news and i just again want to say thank you to uh to, to adam stringham who's, who's really been a uh, a wonderful wonderful friend and co-host throughout this whole thing well, Greg, it's uh, it's been a blast having you kind of really steer the ship here over the last uh, couple of years and, um, you know, allowed me to kind of move to Texas and uh, <laughs> they'll have the show go on. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be different without you for sure. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be tough, I think, for, for a little bit. But uh, the show will go on. Um, we have John coming on next week and um, I look forward to having you back on the airwaves as well, whether that be when you move back or, or even just coming on to, to lend your thoughts every now and again. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, I guess, I guess if we want to officially hand off the reins, uh, string, do you want to do, do you want to do the sign off? All right. Sure thing. <laughs> uh, myself and Greg Young. Thanks for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio. 